0: Our scripture is going to be 1 Corinthians 1, changed from what I submitted for the bulletin some time back. 1 Corinthians 1, and that's page 1771, and we're going to read the verses 1 and 2, a little shorter text than I otherwise was going to work on. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, page 1771 beginning at verse 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Holy. Together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. And let me read the greeting to verse 3 Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. These, the very word of God. As we prepare for my departure from among you as interim pastor i'm challenging you a bit with things i hope you as cottage grove will be and do in the future the challenges are based on the four attributes historical attributes of the church that from early centuries the fathers and mothers and the faith have said are very important those attributes are one holy Catholic, and apostolic. Last time was oneness, and I'm going to repeat the points of application right now. They are first, agree. I mean, practice oneness. We can't undo all the splits and divisions in church history. But first, agree to Augustine's statement about essentials, which to the Reformed are in the historic creeds, and our reform confessions. Agree to essentials and in non-essentials be willing to put up with each other and in all charity. Number two, treat your church members, those sitting in the benches alongside you and in front of you and behind you, As family of God, consistent with the hymn writer's words, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And consistent with another hymn writer's words, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together. With love. And then third, and a lesson I had to really learn when I dealt with a lot worse problems than we're mentioning in this sermon series. Love the church. Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church in seven specific ways are mentioned. The only one that we dealt with was give. Ask not what you can get from your church only, but what you can give to it. Because love is about giving. God so loved he gave, John 3.16. Love is in a sense spelled G-I-V-E. Give toward Cottage Grove Church. And then four was... Dedicate, devote yourselves to one another. I trust that if you live these four, unity, oneness, will characterize us, be an attribute of us, and the blessing of God will be upon us. Now next, holiness. I believe a or one Holy Catholic Church. Following the same pattern as last time, we'll spend a little time with our text, explaining a couple of the important things in it, and then for applications that I hope will help toward holiness. The main point of this sermon is that when we live holy before our God, we can expect holy God to bless us. So, 1 Corinthians in verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle. Okay. The apostles were the unique ones. The disciples become apostles. And Paul somehow fits in either as the one who God elected to be number twelve or as number thirteen after Judas Iscariot betrayed and someone else was elected. That that Argument is beside us today, we can put it aside. Called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and like I would remind children constantly and have repeated to you, Christ means anointed one, able to do what no mere human can do. He's the unique one. Christianity is about not just any old religious leader, but about the religious leader of all religious leaders because Christ, that religious leader, is the one and only one who is able to save anyone. All other religious leaders are dead and gone, but Christ arose from the dead and is alive and at the right hand of God, and that makes Christianity unique among religions and joyous, and life-giving, and so much more. Christ Jesus, Jesus means Savior, by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. And then the text that we'll center on, verse 2. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified, Uh, the... The original word there is hagios, uh, holy, the Greek word for holy. If you've heard of the uh, Hagia Sophia in Constantinople, that's a holy, wise church. But uh, the, the, the thing here that may throw us off just a little bit, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. I mean, are we or are we called to be? We would say they didn't in Bible times, but we do. Uh, Understand it this way. I I think this might help you. (laughs) When my wife and I married, we had two kinds of dishware. She reminded me of that when I was making the sermon, so I used that illustration. We had the good dishes, and uh, that's what you use when you have company. We haven't used those good dishes much in the last many years we've been married. And we have the everyday dishes. And my wife said to me, you know, people don't really need their good dishes. The everyday ones are good, but they have them anyway. Now, the few times we've used those good dishes, there still are good dishes, but when they are done being used, they've got specks of food on them, and they need to be washed up and cleaned anyway. And the logic of the passage is here that God, through his Christ, has made you good dishes... Uh, for special use, but good dishes also <laughs> live in a world filled with all kinds of dirt, problems, etc., and they need to be washed up. Now, let that do it. It's not the perfect analogy, but it is sufficient. So, to those sanctified or, co- in, or holy already in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Now, Called to be holy is a phrase you really got to notice here. God's call. God's call is a big thing, which we can summarize as a call to acknowledge you're a sinner, sin, salvation, go to God for salvation through Christ, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Ephesians 2 8. And Service or sanctification? God's call is, first of all, and in general, sin, salvation, service. In our text, the emphasis is on service or sanctification or holiness. Now, I remember reading once about those who are saints and then, and you'll forgive my misuse of grammar, I think, ain't saints. And we're all somehow on that line. If you think of 1 to 10, where 1 is most non-saintly, ain't saints, and then progression through through 9 and 10, where you have perfect saints, all Christians and churches are along that continuum somewhere, And not only are they along it, they go up and down and vary a lot. If there's anyone who fits the description of they ain't saints, it was the Corinthians. If you read through that letter to the Corinthians, they got more problems than you've ever had, okay? But they're still called to be saints. And the call to the Corinthians to be saints comes to us too. And by the way, don't make a strong distinction between individuals and churches because churches are the communion or community of the saints. So we have a call here to us as individuals in our churches, both us and our church. So called to be saints or holy, to get, oh, holy is the same word as earlier was translated sanctified together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Once again, Lord means master or ruler. And I can't say often enough and loud enough. The issue's always lordship. It was in Bible times as Caesar Lord or as God Lord. And when Christians wouldn't worship Caesar, a lot of them died for it. And the issue today, too, is always lordship. People want Jesus as Savior. They'll say, sure, Christ is uh, anointed and able. Hey, we're on board with that. But when it comes to lordship a ruler in our lives and submitting as servants, uh, 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 I want to be in charge of my own life. So the apostle repeats lordship here. Enough by way of basic understanding now. We're talking about one holy, Catholic Church. And what we're going to do at this point is move forward from the text to four points of application about how to live as holy people in a holy church. Or in short, how to Grow in holiness. And all four applications are based on what the word holy means in the original. Holiness is, in some uses, a purely secular term. Its first meaning is to set aside. That's all. A bit like those special dishes I mentioned before, set aside for special use we have what we think are one or two pieces of dishware from the temple that Solomon built. And it's debatable among the archaeologists, but there's one pomegranate uh, piece that was used to pour stuff, either in the temple or not, depending which archaeologist you listen to. There are other pomegranate pourers, pouring pieces. But based on where the one was found, we think the one was set aside for temple use. That's enough by way of explanation, really. Holiness is first of all being set aside. The application is kind of simple. You and I, as people, are set aside by God for holiness. We'll get there shortly. And this church on this property, this property is set aside from the neighborhood around to be a holy place. And the point then is that we as people are called to be holy, and this place is called to be a holy place dedicated to God himself. Enough with point one. Number two, special, set aside was one. Holiness also meant special, set aside for special use as temple use. When our children entered school years ago, they came home with a piece of paper that said, one child is going to be special every day for a while. And special meant that child was going to be highlighted. They were supposed to give their parents names, were supposed to tell a story about themselves, supposed to highlight their birthday, supposed to do this and that and the next thing, all because it was their day to be special. I remember that because it helped me when I was studying holiness to understand holiness in some very important ways. You are God's people set aside and special. Now, I'm going to take two or three minutes to develop this thought just a little because 20-30 years ago we used to deal so much with self-image issues. If you're taught uh, atheistic evolution, then you're nothing but the descendant of some thing, piece of dirt, uh, and then an amoeba or whatever, and on and on up to a monkey, and you're nothing more now than kind of a glorified monkey. No wonder there's self-image problems. But if you accept what the Bible says, that you're made in the image of God, knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, then you're going to think this way, and I'm saying this because I want you to feel special. You're going to think things like, and I'll give you three texts. Number one, Genesis 126, made in the image of God, knowledge, righteousness, holiness. You in the made in the image, the knowledge of God can know God. You can't if you're taught atheistic evolution. Righteousness, you can get right with God. Not if you're just a glorified snake or something like that. Then all you do is bite. Holiness. You, as humans, can engage in holy activity like worship. You are special. Flies and mice, if they're in this church, can't worship. You can, see? You're special if you accept the Bible's creation account. And, of course, sin throws a monkey wrench into it all. It just wrecks havoc. But then comes salvation, and as the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15, 11, by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not without effect. And then the Apostle talks about the work he did, see, By the grace of God, you as people and you as Cottage Grove Church are what you are. And that's a God-blessed, good thing. And you're called to your mission, whatever that is. The third text, Ephesians 3.20. And my God shall supply. No, I got the wrong text there. In fact, I've got to look that one up. It's escaping my mind right now. Let me get that. Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians here. Chapter 3, at verse 20. These words. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Those texts explain a bit, not all, but a bit, of how you are special. So you are set aside to be special. Now, the next two points of application are going to be calls or challenges to holiness and that's a bit dangerous to teach. I must not teach works righteousness. I don't want to. Anything like that. I'll do the best I can. But I want to preface it with a story to help you. The story is about the Portland vase, V-A-S-E, and I looked up the word. Some people say vas, and we can say either one. I'll talk about vase. And it's an old minister's story, and when I was young, you can't check out whether these things are true, but now you can, so I did. Put in your uh, online program, Portland Vase, and you'll come up with a story you're going to hear, except a little longer. Now, here's the story. The Duke of Norfolk, so the story is told. That in ministers' storybooks. I mean, it sometimes didn't happen, but in this case, it did. Uh, once gave the Portland vase as a gift to the king of England. The vase was a rare antique, beautiful, a priceless treasure. The king was delighted. The good and generous king wanted to share the treasure with the nation, so the king in turn gave the vase to the British Museum. God made you a beautiful vase, or like a beautiful vase. Alas, disaster soon happened. The Duke had a servant, a wicked, envious, proud, hateful, bitter, scheming man. The Duke dismissed this man from his service. To get even and embarrass the Duke, the former servant plotted revenge, a scheme centering on the Portland vase. He went to London to the British Museum and found the vase, guarded but in an open display. He waited and watched, the online version says also got drunk, after... A while when the attendant left briefly and no visitors were around, he acted. He reached into the display case, grabbed the vase, threw it down, and smashed the masterpiece into a thousand pieces. Then he slinked away. The attendant, hearing the noise, returned, but the damage was done. The antique was broken beyond repair, or so it seemed. Base, by the way, came from about the time Christ was born and Roman in background. The devil came along and smashed humanity into a thousand pieces and it seemed there was no way to put it back together. But God did. The next part of the story, the king, hearing of the tragedy, said, save every piece this vase is my best and needs repair whatever the cost we'll find someone who can repair it no matter what the cost. so the search began and went on for a long time the task being humanly impossible finally a man was found who could do the work he was related to the maker of the vase distantly and as such knew the um, the way that the Romans made vases, and the vase well enough to fix it. He needed help, and so the king said, I'll give you all the helpers you want to try to put those pieces back together. You just take them and do what you need to do. So the man and his helpers worked for a long time rearranging pieces, repairing and replacing. Christ is the one who could put it back together. God found him to put it back together. And his assistants are like us. We have our role too. Holy God appointed his Holy Christ to put back together the broken vase of humanity. And Christ did it. Exceed, he succeeded. He And we are Christ's people, called to be part of that great work of holiness that began with holy God and was made complete through holy Christ, and we are holy Christians. That's what our text is striving to tell us. Finally, looking at the story again, finally, as he was dying, he finished. Christ finished his work and dying. Back to the story. The Portland vase is in the British Museum today, and you have to look real close to see the damage and the repair. It looks beautiful. God's call to you, and this is a call and a challenge. We aren't there yet. Is to grow in holiness. That's what it means to be a holy Catholic church. Now, that's a very big challenge. And now, stay with me for just a minute on this. Reminder of what we said last week. Sin. The devil loves to wreck the church. I mean, divide and conquer, that sort of thing. Man, oh man, the devil must drool about that. But sin at its essence is humanism. I, me, my. I. As in Genesis 3, 5, when Eve saw the fruit was good, she took it and ate of it and sinned. And sin shows in primarily humanism, me again, I, me, my, and shows different in different ages. And in our age, sin shows in what I called consumer-chooser-user religion. We... Our consumer chooser users all week long, and that's good in the public sphere. But it's not good when we come to church on Sunday for this reason. Consumers say things like, I count. I will consume what I want. Choosers, I choose whatever I want. And users, they use the store, they use the, pro- the product. Many consumers today might be saying things like, We like Costco, and we like Amazon, so we choose to use those sites. But if the news is right, we don't like Sears so much anymore, see? The focus is on consumers who choose and use. Now, when we come to church, if we bring that mentality to church, and sadly, our language is even conformed. Consumers, we have the consumer is king. The customer's always right. Oh, I thought God was king. Oh, I didn't know the customer was always right. I thought God was. See, even our language has warped. Consumers, choosers, I choose to know my needs. Maybe I need to get rich quick. Maybe I need to feel good through positive thinking. Maybe I have this or that or the next thing. God says, I know your need, and it's different than you probably think it is, and it's deeper. You need to know your sin, to be saved, and to serve, which is to grow in holiness. See, consumer chooser, users. And then we use the church, asking what program it has, how big it might be. Do we like so and so in the church? Do we like the minister? whose role becomes that of advertiser uh, for the church or salesperson of the church. You see, we can totally shift things away from growing in holiness to pure self-satisfaction. And the church is calling on you and me in that culture in which the sin and the humanism of the age is secular not sacred, humanism, to grow in sacredness or holiness. In other words, we've got to somehow be able to stand out of the culture we live in to see it's sin, and that's so hard. And if we can stand out of that self-centered culture and see God's call, holy, called to be holy, Oh, that's just so good. So anyway, with this in the background then, let's look kind of briefly at the third and fourth points, which are calls or challenges toward growing in holiness. The uh, third thing, the next thing that is important here is... um, Sacredness. Set apart special for sacred use. Holy means sacred. Sacred means holy. We can be secular Monday through Saturday, but we want to be sacred on Sunday. Now, we have the Holy Spirit. Let me just take a minute with that. Are are you aware of what the Bible says about Christ in heaven and the Holy Spirit? Um, Christ in heaven, at the right hand of God, he's not twiddling his fingers. And he's not doing nothing. We're told in the Bible, Romans 8, he intercedes for us with the Father. Same thing is said in Hebrews 4, 12 to 16. He's active on our behalf. And then there's Romans 8, 26. The Spirit helps us in our needs. The Spirit is sent out from the Father and the Son. Revelation 1, where it talks of the sevenfold Spirit of God, meaning that Spirit is all we need. So we have Father, ruler of the universe, Son, co ruler of the universe. He has an in with the Father, and He pleads on our behalf. He's all knowing, and the Spirit is sent as our helper. Now, if you understand that basic theology, you're not going to fall into works righteousness. i got to be a goody-goody to get my way in heaven. See, you will understand that your salvation is God's work. And in that context of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then the call is to you to be sacred in the way you live before God. Sacred means set apart special to grow in holiness and then the fourth word which is <laughs> I almost wonder if I dare say it but I will saintly many of you know that the reformed perspective differs from the catholic the Catholic Church has certain saints, saints so-and-so, and they supposedly have extra good works and so. I'm not here to rant on Catholics today. They have their view. But the Protestant view, your view, and my view, and the Reformed view, is that all God's people are, now not Complete saints, 100% saints. In fact, the Heidelberg Catechism says even the most holy of us have a small beginning. But a small beginning is no excuse for no beginning and no progress. We're called to be saints. Let that sink in now a minute. We all have our unsaintly dimensions, don't we? I hope you won't ask my wife what mine are, but they're there. And so are yours. And probably the more mature you are as a Christian, the more you see those unsaintly parts, which the catechism calls a small beginning of the holiness God requires of us. But with the small beginning, you can start, out. If something needs to be made more holy so that you become more saintly then the Bible tells you things like, put off, Ephesians 4 would be there, put off that thing. Don't do it. Romans 6, reconcile yourself dead to it. Don't do it. And put on what you need to put on. Now, That's not easy. That's a hard process sometimes with some things but that is the call of the bible you have a new nature your new creations in christ jesus paul struggled with that in romans 7 the power of the old but he also says thanks be to god who gives us the victory and so therefore in your life and in your church life too of course if you need to start whether you're B, C, or whatever, start along the path to growing in saintliness. Again, that's not a call to works righteousness. It's a call to following the Spirit in your life. That's 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. May God bless us and help us with his Holy Spirit as we hear his call to be saints. Let's pray. Our God and Father in heaven. Challenging text, yes, and we understand why the ancient fathers and mothers spoke of the importance of holiness in the Christian life and church. We will work at oneness. We will work at holiness. Amen.